Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino. On this episode, we talk with inspirational coach and entrepreneur Jordan Turbyfill. This 35-year-old out of Austin, Texas, grew up with a wild upbringing. His mom was a meth addict who is currently in prison for murder. She attempted suicide several times in front of him, and for the longest time, he allowed that to be his downfall until he learned to develop his mind and thoughts into positive action through a solid, everyday routine. He has been sober for seven years and is always looking to help others in need of guidance, or leadership. He's got a great story. Enjoy this interview. Well, hey, man, it's great to meet you. And I want to begin our conversation with living through the last three and a half years or so. How did you get through the COVID period? And how did it subsequently change you? Oh, man, uh, I think, you know, honestly, the COVID period changed me so much. It's unbelievable. Um, you know, starting in the very beginning, um, I was I was working for somebody else at the time uh, when it all happened. My wife and I, we got married uh, Christmas Eve just before everything started going down for COVID. Um, so, you know, I think it was like February, March, April uh, of, of that very next year where we started having like the lockdowns and stuff like that. Um, and... Uh, you know, my, the company that I was working for, I was, I was working for another flooring contractor and, you know, working for him, uh, or for that company, basically they wanted to shut down and they, they tried to have everyone not work for two weeks. And most people did it for, you know, a week, two weeks. Some, some people did it for three. And the whole time I was like, dude, we got these laborers out here who don't give a shit about COVID, you know, yeah. they need, they need to make money. They need to make cash because a lot of them are getting, we're getting paid in cash. So I just took it upon myself to just keep working that entire time and keep going into the field and, you know, not really knowing if I was putting myself in danger or not, but just, just not really caring, just caring more for the people and for their families and stuff. And um, it ended up, you know, I, I never got sick. I just kept pushing through it, kept working and uh, gained a lot of those guys trust and loyalty uh, through just showing up like that. And then, um, you know, Christmas comes around that year, I believe it was 2020 and that uh my employer asked me to go to to lunch so i went and had lunch with the owner and he get kind of gave me the you know we want to open another location are you interested in running it for me and i was like oh yeah absolutely you know like kind of kind of stoked thinking oh i'm gonna get promoted over here and then the next day he called me and told me to come bring in my uh computer that my services were no longer needed and uh I was like, oh, shit. Now what do I do? You yeah. know? Yeah. Damn. So, yeah. I mean, I I went straight home from there and uh, just talked to my wife. And she was like, you know how to do everything. You know all of this stuff. Like, you know, she kind of she kind of built me up to have that confidence to start my own company. So, you know, that night I, I just got to it. I started designing a logo, which is, you know, this logo right here. Um, <clears throat> kind of took a little bit of uh, the, the Cowboys. Uh, oh, yeah. I'm a, I'm a big Cowboys fan. So I kind of took a bit of their 
logo design with the uh, two bold outlines yeah. um, to kind of draw your attention in. And uh, I just started reaching out to people. A bunch of the other contractors that I had been working for started to like hear uh, that um, I was no longer with that other company. And, you know, they started reaching out immediately because of the work that I had put in throughout that entire time, you know. Um, and that, that's one thing that I've always thought is like, no matter, no matter who you're working for or what you're doing, you always got to put your best foot forward and just, just go through it and give everyone your best because you really never know when you could be in a position to be hiring people or to be running your own business. And you really never know when, uh, you know, say a superintendent might get elevated to a project manager and then he's deciding who's being hired on projects and stuff like that um or or that person starts their own uh build company and and they're hiring their own tra trades and whatnot so that was kind of always my mindset is to just treat everyone like like they're a boss and they're an owner of a company and just give them everything i can and um <clears throat> from there it was kind of it was slow going, uh, but I just kept fighting through it for the first year. Um, I think the first year I probably grossed like, mm, like 300,000. I made just enough to like pay my bills and stuff like that. But like the main thing was, you know, I was paying all the laborers as much as I could to just get their loyalty to just show up as soon as I call them. And then my second year, things really started to blow up. Um, I made my first million in gross and, uh, you know, it was just like, wow, I can do this. You know, this is, uh, this is something that I can definitely do. Like I can, I can multiply this by a lot. Like I was running around, uh, just trying to do anything and everything to get work. And then at the end of the year, I looked in my calculated all of it and I was like, damn, I really did that much. That's crazy. Yeah. You know? And then um, <clears throat> from there, I just kind of uh, I bought my first house, um, which was amazing to be able to do because that, that was one of the other things was um, I had just started sending uh, uh, or requesting like pay stubs from the previous employer um, like a couple weeks before Christmas uh, or a couple weeks before he let me go. Uh, so that I could get pre-approved to buy this house. And then all of that happened. And it was like, I had to, you know, pretty much tell my wife and my, my two kids that, um, you know, we weren't, we weren't going to be able to buy a house. And we ended up staying at the place we were renting, which just miserable, um, miserable house. Uh, <laughs> the, the landlord, like, threatened to during COVID he threatened to like go over the house a couple times when like my daughter was the only one home and she, wow. you know she was t 12 at the time so it got to the point where I was like letting him know like dude I got guns like if you show up when only my 12 year old daughter's home and you go inside the house I'm gonna have to uh you know use lethal um you know I, I'm, I'm gonna protect my family no matter what so I don't care if you own the house you know i'm renting it so kind of stuff like that just 
very stressful and um <clears throat> man having to get through that stuff was just uh it was a lot but at the same time like the whole time i just kept telling myself just you know just keep pushing through just keep pushing through it's gonna get better um i think too a lot of the people out here uh you know yeah i'm sure you noticed the beard that was that was one of the other things was i just couldn't stand and couldn't buy into the whole mask thing yeah or the or the vaccine thing um i never got vaccinated um uh i i believe you know uh god is the one truth and the light and uh taking a man-made vaccine and putting it into our bodies just i couldn't make any sense of it so i absolutely refused that um i refused to wear the mask so i started growing the beard out (laughs) as long as i could to wear like if anyone told me to wear a mask i would just like kind of nonchalantly put it on my face and then smile and it would like flap off and i'd be like well i mean i don't know what you want me to do man yeah you know yeah and uh what else bunch of stuff um lately my whole uh kind of game plan has really changed on business like i was saying my my second year i was so focused on just getting any work um Mm -hmm. and doing anything i could to progress that it was like I found myself a lot of times working for people that didn't have the experience and they noticed how hard I was trying and how hard I was working. So they started like, kind of like offloading their business onto me, um, to where like, you know, as a flooring contractor, I'd end up being, being the guy handling like the framing, uh, sub that was hired by them you know and not getting paid for it and i'd be the one kind of calling things out like oh this has to be fixed this has to be fixed this has to be fixed and it's like really that's up to the builder you know the builder should have a project manager out there doing his job taking care of their own project um not the flooring contractor we should be able to come in you know if there's a couple things wrong with the flooring stuff point it out of course but um once i kind of realized that i started to kind of pull back a little bit sure and uh i had i had one experience that really taught me a lot i was um i got caught up with a builder who uh was basically like you know the whole on the whole show you know what i mean like fake Instagram followers. He hired a YouTube guy to follow him around and he had a bunch of money. So he was able to do these types of things to make it appear like he was a custom home builder. Yeah. And, uh, like I said, you know, I was just jumping into anything like young, uh, entrepreneur trying to grow my business. So when I first met this guy, I was like, so gung-ho about it like oh dude we're gonna be doing this is gonna be the biggest project we've ever done you know thinking everything was gonna be great and um the first house we did for him it was just like 
you know, the, the pool was leaking and I was like sitting there like, damn, that's not good. <laughs> you know, yeah. not that it was anything to do with me, but it was like, damn, that is not good at all. And then all of a sudden, uh, they had a courtyard that like they had poured concrete all around and they never put in any plumbing to drain that courtyard. And it was like, oh shit, you know, it, that, that area was starting to fill up like a pool. And I didn't think about it at the time. Like now looking back on those things, those should have been like red flags. Like, dude, yeah, don't work. Don't work for this guy. Like he's yeah. going to screw you over, you know? Yeah. And, and I kept working for him and, um, he ended up uh, having a couple houses for sale at the same time. And it was right when like the market took a huge dip and uh, he was doing anything and everything he could to sell those houses, but he couldn't sell them because yeah. the market took a dip and, and he wasn't willing to lower his price. So of course, you know, looking at it, he did what he had to do to keep his business running, which was screw over every trade that was working for him. Yeah. So as I was sending like progress checks, uh, one of them I sent was for like 40 grand. He gave me a check back for like 10, 10,000. And immediately I looked at it and I was like, Oh shit. Like here we go. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Immediately, immediately sent him a text, sent him an email like, hey, we got to get this right. Um, you got to, you know, we just finished 7,000 square feet of hardwood installation. I need to get paid on this progress check. And uh, the response is like all telling, you know, at the time I didn't, uh, I, I always like to like look back on, on some of these conversations to see like how much more I can really learn from it. But looking back on the conversation, you know, he was immediately like, no, I need you to show up at the, at the other two jobs and get them done as quickly as possible. And it was like, oh yeah, no shit. You want, you need me to get it done. Like you're not going to pay me. You're yeah. already not paying me, you know? Yeah. So we kept showing up for like two weeks and um, towards the end of that two weeks, it became even more clear. Um, you know, he started sending like painters on top of my guys. And, uh, I was, you know, every day that the painters were there, you know, my, my tile and hardwood guys, they don't wear respirators. Mm -hmm. So they walk in and they see paint. They're like, Oh, it's not us today. It's the painters. You know, they already have their stuff set up. They're already spraying. We're going home. So it's like three days in a row that basically a uh, situation like that happened at two different projects with him. And I had scheduled out, you know, um, we had like eight more showers to do for him back to back to back to back. And, uh, you know, I was, I was really counting on that at the time. Sure. And um, basically I had to go in there and, take pictures of the painters and take video of them and sent it over to him. Hey, we can't, we can't work in this environment. And the response was tell your, you know, F and hardwood and uh, tile crews to put respirators on. And it's just like, Oh man, yeah. these guys don't, 
they don't care about the laborers yeah. at all. You know, they're yeah. they're just they're just worried about their end of the money. Yep. And um, you know, once I kind of realized that, I feel like really truly the biggest blessing in disguise. I learned so many um, mistakes on my part, but also how to read people so much better. Uh, while going into contracting with somebody or sub subcontracting for somebody. So from there, you know, I pulled my crews, uh, I sent him final invoices. I let him know we're going to be removing ourselves from the projects due to, uh, you know, blatant scheduling negligence and stuff like that. And he threatened to sue me. Um, he actually sent me like, uh, uh, fake uh it's kind of funny uh fake um he sent me a fake letter like that i was being sued Mm -hmm. and so like anybody out there uh listening like just know you're not getting sued unless somebody walks up to you and serves you a piece of paper sure uh if somebody sends you an email and demands money um saying that you're being sued that's complete horseshit and don't fall for it um so that was like like, yeah it sounds like a traditional con man kind of a thing so i'm curious totally when you were a kid what was your dream what did you always want to be an entrepreneur what was your dream growing up uh to be honest i wanted to be a pro football player okay um i always wanted to be a pro football player for the cowboys and uh for the longest time i i chased that dream uh i played football in california and uh we actually went to the state championship when I was in high school. We got smacked up by uh, Mark Sanchez, which was oh. kind of kind of frustrating. From yeah. uh, he was he was playing for Mission Viejo at the time, and dude was dropping dimes on us left and right. There was yeah. nothing we could do about it. Um, and I actually I played football with somebody who did go pro uh, and won the Super Bowl with the Pats. Um, my boy Shane Vereen which you know it's awesome to see somebody like that uh he was always just such a good kid uh like 4.5 gpa in high school always a team player and um you know my my dream kind of got cut short um i went to a junior college and i tried uh gaining more weight because i was like uh 5'7 150 coming out of high school and my my high school coaches were like oh yeah you you got to put on some weight, dude. And even though I was, you know, I played strong safety, I was, you know, pound for pound, one of the strongest kids on the team. I was just, you know, short and skinny. So I went there to try and put on some weight and tore all the ligaments in my left shoulder. And, uh, you know, my dad is, um, ex military. He was Marine Corps recon for eight years and he was you know well off in construction and uh he was immediately just like well time to man up dude i got you some work boots start going to fucking work (laughs) i was like oh shit all right you know so he got he he ended up getting me my first job in construction uh working for amco construction which is actually a pretty big construction company now um but uh he got me started doing demo which is um just a great way to start if you get into construction 
uh, we were doing demo in downtown Hollywood. <clears throat> so I was like 18 years old driving a freaking Bobcat down the road, loading up, uh, down Sunset Boulevard, loading up a bunch of trash. We had our dump truck on Sunset. Have to, you know, my brother would be out there stopping traffic. I'd be driving that Bobcat, dumping it in front of, you know, middle of Sunset Boulevard, just, uh, just like, damn, this is pretty cool, you know? Yeah. And, um, <clears throat> from there, I just, uh, I kind of tried a few trades. Um, yeah. I did HVAC for a couple of years. I did low voltage for a couple of years. Um, did electrical work as an electrician, uh, worked in a warehouse, do, like pulling orders, stuff like that for electrical companies. Um, <clears throat> what else did I do? I got into doing project management mm -hmm. um, from from doing HVAC. We were doing a lot of a lot of the HVAC we did was actually pretty crazy. We did uh, a lot of the marijuana grows. Oh, yeah. uh, out in LA and, and a lot of them legal um, at the time, but you know, they were paying us a lot of money in cash. So it was like, I can't, we can't turn this down, Yeah, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But at the same time, like you're in there putting in HVAC units with like six foot tall plants, as far as you could see, the only thing you can really think about is like looking over your shoulder the whole time. Like <clears throat> somebody might come in here and rob our asses real yeah. quick, you know? Yeah. So it was kind of, uh, that, that was kind of sketchy to me. So I wanted to get something a little bit more secure. Yeah. So from there I started working for the Marshall group, which is the builder, uh, designer and homeowner of the bachelor house from the TV show. Yeah. Uh, Marshall Harridan. And um, <clears throat> man, that guy was uh, a lot. A lot of the guys I worked for were like, just like my dad, you know, just hardcore scream in your face if you do one little tiny thing wrong. Wow. So I could I could remember, uh, you know, we did a project for Disney and Atari in downtown L.A. Uh, called Two Bit Circus, and I was one of the project managers on that project. And um, <clears throat> we had a meeting one morning, and I had everything laid out, had all the plans laid out for the project. And my boss comes in and just starts fucking ripping me alive in front of everyone, like you fucking idiot. These are the wrong plans. And uh, turns out they were the right plans. He was wrong, oh, <laughs> you oh, know. No. He apologized to me like after everyone left, but it was just like, damn, dude, like belittled me in front of everybody. Wow, you know what I mean? Crazy. Yeah. So I, I kind of like lost all my confidence uh, in him from that. Mm -hmm. um, and from there, I started, you know, trying to find another path. And yeah. uh, I started working for. Um, Spectre Contract Flooring, which is the number one uh, flooring contractor in the nation. Um, and I was getting, I got hired by their number one in the company. And <clears throat> it's a Warren Buffett owned company. So they send out uh, KPIs 
uh, every month uh, on a spreadsheet to where you could see everyone that works for the company and, and how much revenue they're bringing into the company. Right. And, you know, my boss was number one on that list every single month that I was there and by a long shot. Yeah. And he just, the way he trained me was so methodical. It was so relaxed and so just straight to the point. Like um, he would pretty much tell me like, I need these plans. I need the takeoff done today. I don't care if it takes you till tomorrow. Don't go to sleep until you finish the takeoff. Right. And it was, it was like, okay, sure enough. You know, I would, I'd find myself, it, it'd be like a high rise condo, uh, 900 units. And I'd be sitting there four in the morning, just like drinking another energy drink and I'd get it to him. And then he'd give me like two, three days off. And it was like, oh, nice, dude. I'm still getting paid for those days off. And uh, he would, you know, he would come in the room and he'd be like, here, mess with this program for eight hours and write down everything you learned. And here's a few tips that, that I know. Uh, let me know if you can teach me anything from it. And I would just sit there for eight hours and just you know, play around with it see what I could figure out. Um, you know, there'd be no repercussions. There's nothing that I could do wrong. I was just trying to learn it, you know? Sure. And, um, I really got to the point where I was like, uh, the best at doing takeoffs in the office. So <clears throat> from there it was like, all right, we want you to be a construction manager, uh, doing all takeoffs and managing everything in the field. And, you know, that was within like two weeks of just doing stuff like that, where I'm just staying up all night, sure. um, doing anything, anything that they ask, you know, and uh, within a couple of weeks, I was managing um, like six different uh, new construction installations for high rise buildings. Yeah. Um, one in like... Uh, one in Hollywood, uh, one in Pasadena, one in Ventura, uh, one in Santa Monica, um, one right there in downtown LA. Yep. And it was awesome. It was like the coolest thing. Just, uh, you know, being able to walk in, taking pictures of everything, documenting everything, talking with the guys, doing the labor. Um, I felt like... I have such a strong connection to guys doing the labor because yeah. I've done so much of it, you know? Yeah. Um, so, the, so one thing I, we're really getting away here. I, I kind of, um, oh, yeah. I, I just, I want to kind of get to the essence of you. So um, we wrote, we wove a really good tapestry of your history and who you are and where you're at. So I want to ask one more question before we get to the good news of how people can reach out to you. Of all the things that you've done and overcome in your life, what are you the proudest of? Oh, man. I would say uh, the the thing I'm proudest of is the father that I am. And I think, <clears throat> you know, you're going to make me cry. Uh, uh -oh, just don't do it. Way, 
<laughs> seeing the way that like I, I have a baby boy now he's uh six months and you know i'll do i'll do push-ups and stuff in front of him i'll do all kinds of like workouts and stuff in front of him but when i come home from work just the look that he gives me um of how excited he is to see me and uh you know same thing with my stepkids um i got i got two stepkids that i love to death as well and um you know just uh just the way that you are as a man it affects your kids so much and um i think the past three years like you know you're you've been talking about with the covid stuff is um a lot of a lot of their other friends and other people that we used to hang out with have kind of gone the opposite direction and i feel like uh just being able to be strong for them has really helped their development um my son he's you know gonna be starting pitcher of his baseball team my daughter she's killing it and cheer she's cheering for a team that's ranked in the nation uh in the in the top like three in the nation yeah um and then my son is uh you know my youngest son he's he's just an animal he just wants to wrestle and he can't even walk yet but you can just tell like the second that boy's able to walk he's going to be wanting to run with me and stuff like that so right on. i'd say right that on. yeah i have to say that cool so if anyone wants to reach out to you hire you learn more about you how can they do that uh you can reach out to me on instagram my instagram handle is one dot contract dot flooring um, if you want to DM me on there, that's great. Uh, also, you could shoot me an email. My email is info at onecontractflooring.com. And, um, <clears throat> you know, not only do I do flooring, but uh, I also help people with mindset, uh, fitness, and nutrition coaching. And I feel like, you know, that's that's one of the main things that people need help with. Sure. But it's, it's honestly the last thing that people want to invest in. Yeah. Uh, people don't want to invest in themselves. They want to invest in these things that they think are going to make them feel better. Sure. Uh, but nothing is going to give you more value than investing in yourself and your Absolutely. own well-being. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Right on, man. Jordan, this has been great. Thank you so much. Thank you for your story. Absolutely, Thank man. Thank you for taking time out. Have a great 2024, man. Hey, thank you so much, brother. Thank you, you sir. Well. Thanks for tuning in to another famous interview with Joe Domino, where we cover the world of art, literature, business, spirituality, music, and more from around the globe. Our esteemed theme music was composed and produced by the great E.E. E. Pointer of Kansas City's River Cow Orchestra. If you want to hear more interviews, visit the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino channel on YouTube. You can also find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and until next time. <laughs>